Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello, it's Mike, and uh, I'm going to... Read all the Word of God. Back in Acts, now in chapter 21. And uh, maybe, uh, Andy, after I do some reading, Scripture will learn about the fraudulent nature of Einstein, um, who he really was. The question you might ask yourself who was the most brilliant man of the last century. Most people would say it was Albert Einstein. The clarity is not the case. But I want to reach the word of God now. Let me share my experience uh, later on. Uh, I, after almost four years, uh, Darn close, it has to be four years. Darn close to it. I uh, went back to, a, I went to an AA meeting. And, uh, and I'll share you some of my reflections. Maybe I'll wait a day and ponder it. Uh, I am certainly glad I found the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Or Jacob and Isaac. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the Bible, and our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. And uh, it's good that I can lean on my Lord, Savior, instead of man's wisdom and understanding. Um, I certainly learned a lot from AA. I think it was preparatory ground, along with all the other things to get me to point uh, to uh, God used as a way to get me to point to humble me enough to open up his word and start to believe in him, because there's nothing else to believe. And they sprayed us like cockroaches today. A lot of lines. A lot of lines in the sky. And, uh, Geoengineering is, I you know it's busy, busy, busy. They're busy doing their geoengineering. So. What future that we have? Not much of a future without the Lord's name of Jesus Christ. Had that much. Uh, chapter twenty-one of Acts. It came to pass that after we had gone, gotten from them. Uh, who were we again? I believe that would be, well, of course, I believe like Paul and, and I can't remember who the other one would be. Uh, anyways, 
short-term memory is weak. Can't remember now. Anyways, when it came to pass that after we had gone, gotten from them and had lodged, we came, oh, that's right, this is a kind of a lengthy past couple <clears throat> chapters were a lot about the, the travels of Paul. From place to place, so. And let's see. Speaking of labor, sorry for the delay here. Uh, we'll catch. I will uh, get my act together here. And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. And then they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck, and he kissed them. Sorry, most of, of all, for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more, and they accompanied him unto the ship. I just want to forget, I can't remember if it was. Ephesus, or was he somewhere else in Macedonia? And Paul had determined and sailed to Ephesus. Ephesus. So that's where he's heading to. He sent to Ephesus. Ephesus is called the elders of the church. Oh, I hope I'm not getting the wrong place. I don't think it's Macedonia. I think it's Ephesus. Anyways, Ephesus. Anyways, here we go. And after he got so, and it came to pass that after we had gotten from them and had lodged, we came with a straight course onto Coos, and the day followed onto Rhodes. And from thence to Petra, and finding a ship sailing over to Phoenicia, we went aboard abroad and set forth. Now, when we had discovered Cyprus, we left it on the left hand and sailed into Syria. It sounds like we read this one, right? And landed at Tyre, and for there the ship was to unlaid her burden. And finding the disciples, we tarried there seven days, and who said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. <clears throat> when we had accomplished those, day, those, those days, we departed and went our way, and they all brought us on our way with wives and children till we were out of the city and we kneeled down on the shore and prayed. What a sight that must have been. And when we had taken our leave, 
one another, we took a ship, we took ship, and they returned home again. And when we had finished our course from Tyre, we came to Ptolemaeus, uh, Ptolemaeus, and sailed. I don't know if it's Ptolemy, Ptolemaeus. I guess Ptolemaeus, and sailed the brethren and abode with them one day. I do know one thing when it comes to um, the King James Version, Acts is hard for me to read. <laughs> it certainly is. And the next day, we that were of Paul's company departed and came unto Caesarea, and we entered into the house of Philippi, the evangelist, which was one of the seven, and abode with him. And the same man had four daughters, virgins, which did pro- uh, prophesy. And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost. So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle, shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Then we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he, he would not be persuaded, we ceased saying, Who's we? Uh, the will of the Lord be done. And after those days, we took up our carriage and went up to Jerusalem. There went uh, with us also a certain of the disciples of Caesarea and brought with them one Manasseh of Cyprus, old disciple, with whom we should lodge. And when we were Come, come to Jerusalem. The brethren received us gladly. The day following, Paul went in with us unto James, and all the elders were present. When he had saluted them, and when he had saluted them, he declared particularly what things God had wrought among the Gentiles by his ministry. And when they heard it, and they glorified the Lord and said unto him, Thou seest, brother, how many thousands of Jews there are which believe, and they are all zealous of the law. They are informed of thee that thou teachest all the Jews which are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, saying that they ought not to circumcise their children, neither to walk after the customs. What is therefore the multitude must needs come together, for they will hear that thou art come. Do therefore this that we say to thee. We have four men 
which have a vow on them. They take and purify thyself with them. Them take and purify themselves with them and be at charge with them. That they may shave their heads and all may know that those things whereof they were informed concerning thee are nothing but that Thou thyself also walketh orderly and keepeth the law. As touching the Gentiles, we believe we have written and concluded that they observe no such thing, save only that they keep themselves from things offered to idols and from blood and from strangled, from strangled and from fornication. And Paul took the men and next day purified himself with them entered into the temple and signifying the accomplishment of the days of purification until that an offering should be offered for every one of them. And when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews which were of Asia, when they saw him in the temple, stirred up all the people and laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, help! This isn't the man that teaches all men everywhere against the people and the law in this place, and further brought Greeks also into the temple, and hath polluted this holy place. For they had seen before with him in the city of Trophimus and Ephesians, and Ephesian, whom they supposed that Paul had brought into the temple. And all the city was moved, and the people ran together, and they took Paul and drew him out of the temple, and forthwith the doors were shut. And as they went about to kill him, tidings came unto the chief captain of the band that all Jerusalem was in an uproar, who immediately took soldiers and centurions and ran down unto them, when they saw the chief captain and the soldiers, they left beating of Paul. Then the chief captain came near and took him and commanded him to be bound with two chains and demanded who he was and what he had done. Some cried one thing other and some other another. Among the multitude, and when he could not know the certainty for the he commanded him to be carried into the castle. When he came unto the stairs, so it was that he was born of the soldiers for the violence of the people. For the multitude of the people followed after, crying, Away with him. And as Paul was to be led into the castle, he said unto the chief captain, May I speak unto thee? Who said, Canst thou speak Greek? Art not thou that Egyptian which brought these days madness and uproar and lead us out into the wilderness? Four, like the number four. And, of course, the page is stuck. There you go. Thousand men that were murdered. But Paul said, I am a man which am a Jew of Tar- Tarsus, a city of Sicilia, 
a citizen of no mean city, and I beseech thee, suffer me to speak unto the people. And when he had given him license, Paul stood on the stairs and beckoned with a hand unto the people. And when there was made a great silence, he spake unto them in the Hebrew tongue, saying, Men, brethren, fathers, hear ye my defense, which I make now unto you. And when they heard that he spake in the Hebrew tongue to them, they kept the more silence. And he saith, I am verily a man which am a Jew, one of Tars, a city of Sicilia, 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 excuse me, yet brought up in the, the city at the feet of Gamaliel, 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 and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and was zealous towards God, as ye all are this day. And I persuade, persuaded this way unto the death, fighting and delivering into prison both men and women as also the high priest of fair be witness in all the estate of the elders, from whom also I received letters unto the brethren and went to Damascus to bring them which were <clears throat> there bound unto Jerusalem for to be punished. And it came to pass that as I made my journey, I was, was come nine unto Damascus, about noon, suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me. And I fell onto the ground, and I heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecuted thou me? And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus Nazareth, whom ye thou persecuted. And they that were with me saw indeed the light, and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that speaketh to me. Now let's go back to this. I believe it was at nine. And this is what it says in at verse nine. Uh verse like chapter nine, verse three, excuse me. Uh, and as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why didst thou persecute me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. He, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the man which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. Then it says here, 22,
And okay. And I fell on the ground and I heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. And they that were with me saw indeed a light and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that speaketh to me. And then he says back here once again, And Saul rose from the earth, and this is verse 8, no, excuse me, verse 7, And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless and heard a voice, but not seeing no man. And they that were, back to chapter 22, they that were with me saw indeed a light and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that speaketh to thee. Back to chapter 9. So, okay, the men which, just back to verse 7, talking about the same thing, the road to Damascus. The men which journeyed with him stood speechless and heard a voice, but see no man. But see no man. Suspicious heard a voice. Back again, and they that were with him indeed saw a light and were afraid, but they heard not the voice that he spoke to them. Once again. Because this has been the kind of a, an immense journey stood, speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And then it says, the man that saw indeed the light with me, saw indeed the light and were afraid, but they heard not the voice that spake to me. So there is a contradiction, and we have to deal with this when it comes to, uh, you know, the Word of God, whether anybody's going to be mad at me or not. I don't blame you, but you can't be mad at me if what I'm simply doing is pointing out. No, I don't know. Is I mean, why did Paul end up pretending to be a Jew or go to you know, after saying all the stuff they said earlier, they didn't go into this. Well, it's something to deal with, honestly. I don't think it takes anything away from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but it does say that there might be something of a miss here if in verse 9 in chapter 22 it says, uh, they saw indeed a light. They didn't say they see the man. So those thing comes down to the difference here that really didn't matter is they did hear not the voice of him that spake unto me. They did not hear the voice of him that spake to me. And then verse uh, chapter 9, verses 7 and 8, particular 7, 
And the men that journeyed with me stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no man. So the big contradiction here is one is saying hearing their voice. So either there is a, a mistranslation somewhere. Because one saying that they did hear the voice, uh, and it's in chapter 9, and verse 7, but in chapter 22, verses 9, uh, it says here, but they heard not a voice of him that spake to me. Now, people are going to hate me for this, but this, this, that's there. Uh, I know that's going to upset people, but I'm not trying to upset the card. I'm just so either that not should not be there, or <laughs> I don't need to be done it. Well, anyways, there should not be not, or there in chapter 22, verse nine, or it should be not in chapter nine, verse seven. And one has to deal with that. And one would have to come to the decision, does one still have faith in Lord Jesus Christ and who he is because we find one little word, uh, a, a not there, or should not be there. Anyways, back to this uh, ver- uh, chapter 22, verses, uh, verse na- 10 now. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, Rise and go to Damascus, and there I shall, it shall be told thee of all things which are appointed thee to do. When I when I could not see for the glory of the light of that light being led by the hand of them that were with me, I came into Damascus. And Ananias, devout man according to the law, having a good report of all the Jews which dwelt there, and came unto me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. In the same hour I looked up, up upon him. And he said, The God of our Father hath chosen thee, that thou shouldest know his will, and see the just one, and shouldest bear the voice of his mouth. Well, you know what's... If it is true that there is no translation error, it certainly bears witness that Paul Paul was not perfect, which is I'm okay with, because I am the most imperfect of men you'll ever meet. So that's just the way it is. I think God uses the simple to confound the wise, and even. 
brilliant men like uh, you know Paul <laughs> can use the same thing. So, do I have faith in every word jot and tittle that's in this book, or every word jot and tittle of the word of coming out of the mouth of the word of God? You know, we are dealing with a book that was written by the hands of men over the years and we're not we're not any we're not even reading the original translation. And you and I don't know how to speak or read Hebrew or Greek or Latin for that matter. So here we are. I what's amazing Either this is a uh, demonstration of the faithfulness of those who gave us the the King James Bible and were willing to put down exactly what they found, even if there was contradiction. Certainly, they must have noticed that. This is a big event, the road to Damascus. That's some level of it. Anyways, now why carest thou... Arise and be baptized, wash away thy sins, and call on the name of the Lord. It came to pass that when I come again to Jerusalem, even while I prayed in the temple, I was in a trance. And I saw him saying unto me, Make haste and get thee quickly out of Jerusalem, for they will not receive thy testimony concerning thee. And I said, Lord, they know that I that I imprisoned and beaten there in every synagogue them that believed on thee. And when the blood of thy martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by consenting unto his death and kept raiment of them that slew him. And he said unto me, Depart, for I will send thee far hence unto the Gentiles. And they gave him audience unto this word, and then lifted up their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for it is not fit that he should live. And as they cried out and cast off their clothes and threw dust in the air, into the air, the chief captain commanded him to be brought into the castle and bade that he should be examined by scourging. That he might know whether, wherefore they cried so against him. And as they bound him with thongs, Paul said unto the centurion that stood by, It is lawful for me, or for you to scourge a man that is a Roman, uncondemned, and uncondemned. And when the centurion heard that, he went and told the chief captain, saying, Take heed what thou dost, for this man is a Roman. And the chief captain came and said unto him, Tell me, art thou a Roman? He said, Yea. And the chief captain answered, With a great sum obtained I this freedom. And Paul said, But I was freeborn. Then straightway they departed from him, which should have examined him. And the chief captain also was afraid. And after he knew that he was a Roman, because he had bound him, 
on the morrow because he would have known the certainty wherefore he was accused of the Jews. He loosed him from his bands and commanded the chief priests and all the council to appear and brought Paul down and set him before them. Chapter 23. And Paul earnestly beholding the council said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded them that stood by him to smite him on the mouth. So they got two Ananiases. They have the Ananias Is that potentially another problem here? It's like an Ananias. So what are the odds? I'm sorry, but God didn't make me a little critical about things as well. And we should be. We should what are the odds is that a mis- another mystery what are the odds that that the high priest would be Ananias commanded them that stood by him to smite him in the mouth I'm sorry It could be true, but why even bring up the Ananias? And why was it so important that his name? Do I have faith in Jesus Christ or do I have faith in men? That's what it comes down to. Smite him on the mouth. And then said Paul unto him, God shall smite thee and thou whiten walls, for sittest thou to sittest thou to judge me after the law, commandest me to be smitten contrary to the law. They that stood by said, Revilest thou God's high priest? Then said Paul, I wist not, brethren, that he was the high priest, for it is written, Thou shalt not speak evil of the ruler of thy people. But when Paul perceived that the one part where Sadducees and the other was Pharisees, he cried out to the council, Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, of the hope and resurrection of the dead. I am called into question. And when he had said so, there arose a dissension between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the multitude was divided. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, neither angels, neither angel nor spirit, but the Pharisees confess both. There arose a great cry, and the scribes that were of the Pharisees part arose and strove, saying, We find no evil in this man, but if a spirit or a angel hath spoken to him, let us not fight against God. And when there arose a great dissension 
the chief captain, fearing lest Paul should have been pulled in pieces of them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him by force from among them and to bring him into the castle. And the night following, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. And when it was day, certain of the Jews banded together and bound themselves under a curse, saying that they would neither eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. And they were more than forty which had made their conspiracy. That 40 is a very special uh, number, isn't it, in this book? And it must be in the Hebrew language. All seven and uh, 12. Cool, Gusty. Okay. Um, And they made this conspiracy. So anyway, so four, more than 40 which had made this conspiracy. And they came to the chief priests and elders and said, We have bound ourselves under a great curse, that we will eat nothing until we have slain Paul. Now therefore ye with the council signify to the chief captain that he bring him down unto you tomorrow. As thou ye would, as though ye would inquire something more perfectly concerning him, and we are ever he come near, are ready to kill him. And when Paul's sister's son heard of their lying in wait, he went and entered into the castle and told Paul. Then Paul called one of the centurions unto him and said, Bring this young man unto the chief captain, for he hath a certain thing to tell him. And so he took him and brought him to the chief captain and said, Paul, the prisoner, called me unto him and prayed me to bring this young man unto thee, who hath something to say unto thee. Then the chief captain took him by the hand and went with him aside privately and asked him, what is that thou hast to tell me? And he said, The Jews have agreed to desire thee that thou wouldest bring down Paul tomorrow into the council, as though they would inquire somewhat of him more perfectly. But do not thou yield unto them, for there lie in wait for him of them more than forty men which have bound the Bound themselves, bound themselves with an oath that they will neither eat nor drink till they have killed him. Because I guess what a secret society would do, huh? Like the Jesuits or the Freemasons or um, the Knights of Columbus, the Knights of Malta, these oaths that they will neither eat nor drink till they have killed him. Now are they ready, looking for a promise from thee. 
So the chief captain then let the young man depart and charged him, See thou tell no man that thou hast shown these things to me. And he called unto him two centurions, saying, Make ready two hundred soldiers to go to Caesarea, and horsemen threescore and ten, spearmen two hundred, at the third hour of the night, provided them beasts that they may set, set Paul on and bring him safe unto Felix the governor. And he wrote a letter after the, uh, this matter, and Claudius Lyas Ly, Ly, unto the most excellent governor Felix sendeth greeting. This man was taken of the Jews and should have been killed of them. Then I came with an army and rescued him, having understood that he was a Roman. And when I would have known the cause whereof they accused him, I brought him forth into their council, whom I perceived to be accused of questions of their law, but to have nothing laid to his charge worthy of death or of bonds. And when it was told me how that the Jews laid wait for the man, I sent straight away to thee and gave commandment to his accuser also to say before thee that they had against him farewell. Then the soldiers, as it was commanded them, took Paul and brought him by night to Antiparus. On the morrow they left the horsemen to go with him and return to the castle, who, when they, had, when they came to Caesarea, delivered the epistle to the governor, presented Paul also before him. And when the governor had read the letter, he asked of what province he was, and when he understood that he was uh, I will hear thee, he said, and when thine accusers are also come, he commanded him to be kept in Herod's judgment hall. Chapter 24 of Acts. It's weird. I've got that weird sound going on, like somebody's interfering with my mic. And after five days, Ananias, the high priest, who happens to be the same name, the same name, but not necessarily the same fellow, of Ananias that healed Paul. Isn't that weird? To say the least, when he was uh, struck blind on the road to Damascus. Hmm. I wonder why it was so important to bring the name Ananias, the high priest. Uh, descended with the elders and with a certain orator named 
Tertullus, Tertullus, yeah, Tertullus, uh, who informed the governor against Paul. And when he had called forth Tertullus, Tertullus, and began to accuse him, saying, seeing that by thee we enjoy great quietness, and that very worthy deeds are done unto this nation by thy providence. We accept it always and in all places, most noble Felix, with all thankfulness. Well, I can tell you one thing. The high priests, the Pharisees and Sadducees, then and quite frankly today, are a bunch of suck blanks really suck up, don't they? They really are. And, you know, we find this all the time. Instead of speaking the truth, they always just lying. All the religious leaders, they suck up to the Pope, they suck up to the presidents of other different corporate entities called countries, etc., it's just, uh, it's really a disgusting. I can see why God, well, let's put it this way, it was no great loss to humanity when, what happened in 70 AD, let's put it that way. There's, uh, I mean, clearly, um, Jerusalem was a wicked place. Even back then. Of course, it was a wicked place everywhere, but it was extremely wicked in Jerusalem. And of course, it would be. It always seems to, just like it is now in Rome, you know. And I imagine other places are just as bad. There are religious centers and centers of power and authority and political and economic centers, and they mix the God and politics and money together. It just goes sour. Anyways, where are we at with this? Um, we accept it always and in, the, in all places, most no, noble Felix, with all thankfulness. Notwithstanding that I be not further tedious unto thee, I pray thee that thou wouldest hear us of thy clemency a few words. For we have found this man a pestilent fellow. Oh my gosh and a mover of sedition among all the Jews throughout all the world. And of course, we know that to be the known world and that being of the Roman Empire. And in particular, that being of the Middle East and Asia Minor. So, or Asia. All the way into Rome, right? The Mediterranean. So, yeah, and it's all the Roman, their world, the Roman Empire. And ringleader of the sect of Nazareans, who also had gone about to profane the temple whom we took and would have judged according to our law. But the chief captain, Elias, came unto us with great violence and took him away out of our hands commanding his accusers to come unto thee 
by examining of whom thyself mayest take knowledge of all these things whereof we accuse him. And the Jews also ascended, assented, saying that these things were so. Then Paul, after that, the governor had beckoned unto him to speak, answered, Forasmuch as I know that thou hast been of many years a judge unto this nation, I do the more cheerfully answer for myself. It sounds like the ends justify the means type of thing, isn't it? Whatever it takes, lie for self-preservation. Ah, the Jesuits were the Jesuits were the first ones to think of. That's for sure. Okay, back to what Paul says. Because that thou mayest understand that there are yet but twelve days since I went up to Jerusalem for to worship. There's that twelve again. Twelve, seven, and forty seem to be one of the consistent numbers throughout the Bible. They neither found me in the temple disputing with any man, neither raising up the people, neither in the synagogues nor in the city. Neither can they prove the thing thereof, they now accuse me. But this I confess unto thee, that after the way which they call heresy, so worship I the God of my Father, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. And I have hope towards God, which they themselves also allow, that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. And herein do I exercise myself to have allowed a conscience void of offense towards God and towards men. Now, after many years, I came to bring alms to my nation and offerings, whereupon certain Jews from Asia found me purified in the temple. I just don't get that. Just don't get it at all. Why you do that? Neither with multitude nor with Talmud. And I know people have their opinions, but the opinions are not stated in the Word of God. Who ought to have? Well, maybe they have. I just got to be patient, and I will find it. Who ought to have been here before the uh, an object? And they had ought against me, or else let these same here say. If they have found my evil doing in me, I will, while I stood before the council, except it be for this one voice, that I cried standing among them, touching the resurrection of the dead, I am called into question by you this day. And when Felix heard these things, having more perfect knowledge of that way, he determined them and said, When Lies, the chief captain, shall come down. I will know the uttermost of your matter. And he commanded the centurion to keep Paul and to let him have liberty that he should forbid none of his acquaintance.
acquaintances to minister or come unto him. And after certain days, when Felix came with his wife, Dursila, which was a Jewish, Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith of Christ. And as he reasoned, reasoned of righteousness and temperance and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way, for this time when I have convenient season, I will call for thee. And he hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul, that he might loose him, whereof he sent for him the oftener, oftener and communed with him. But after two years, Porcius Festus came into Felix's room, and Felix, willing to show the Jews a pleasure, left Paul bound. Now, now we're in chapter 25. Now when Festus was come into the province, after three days, there's a three, that's another, uh, another number, so three, twelve, seven, three, seven, twelve, and forty are consistent numbers throughout the Bible. And the, okay. Then the high priest and the chief of the Jews informed him against Paul and besought him and desired favor against him and he was sent for him to Jerusalem, laying wait in the way to kill him. But Festus answered that Paul should be kept at Caesarea, and that he himself would depart shortly thither. Let them therefore, said he, which among you are able, go down with me and accuse this man, if there be any wickedness in him. And when he had tarried, among them more than ten days. There's another one, ten, ten days. And and went down to Caesarea. The next day, sitting on the judgment seat, commanded Paul to be brought. And when he was come, the Jews which came down from Jerusalem stood around about and laid many and, and grievous complaints against Paul, which they could not prove. While he answered for himself neither against the law of the Jews, neither against the temple, nor yet against Caesar, have I offended anything at all. But Festus, willing to do the Jews a, a pleasure, answered Paul and said, Wilt thou go up to Jerusalem, and there be judged of these things before me? Then said Paul, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat, where ought to be where I ought to be judged. To the Jews I have done no wrong, as thou very well knowest. For if I be an offender, or have committed anything worthy of death, I refuse not to die. But if there be none of these things, whereof these accuse me, no man may deliver me unto them. I appeal unto Caesar that Festus, when he had conferred with the council, and answered, Hast thou 
appealed unto Caesar, unto Caesar shalt thou go. And after certain days, King Agrippa and Bernice came unto Caesarea and salute, to salute Festus. And when they had been there many days, Festus declared Paul's cause unto the king, saying, There is a certain man left in bonds by Felix, about whom, when I was at Jerusalem, the chief priest and the elders of the Jews informed me, desiring to have judgment against him. To whom I answered, It is not a matter of the Romans to deliver any man to die before that he which was which is called, accused have the accuser face to face and have license to answer for himself concerning the crime laid against him. Therefore, when they were come hither without any delay on the morrow, I sat unto judgment seat and commanded the man to be brought forth, against whom, when the accuser stood up, they brought none accusation of such things as I supposed. supposed. But had certain questions against him of their own superstition and of one Jesus, which was dead, whom Paul affirmed to be alive. And because I doubt of such matter and of questions, I asked him whether he would go to Jerusalem and there be judged of these matters. And when Paul had appealed to be reserved unto the hearing of Augustus, I commanded him to be kept till I might send him to Caesar. Then Agrippa said unto Festus, I would also hear the man myself. Tomorrow, said he, thou shalt hear him. And on the morrow, when Agrippa was come, and Bernice, with great pomp, was entered into the the place of hearing, which the chief captains and principal men of the city, at Festus' commandment, Paul was brought forth. And Festus said, King Agrippa, all men which are here present with us, ye see this man about whom all the multitude of the Jews had dealt with me, both at Jerusalem and also here, crying that he ought not to live any longer. But when I found that he had committed nothing worthy of death, and that he himself had appealed to Augustus, I determined to send him, of whom I have no concern, certain, excuse me, of whom I have no certain thing to write unto my Lord. Wherefore, I have brought him forth before you, specially before thee, O King Agrippa, that after examination had I might have somewhat to write. For it seemeth to me unreasonable to send a prisoner, and not with all to signify the crimes that laid against him. Chapter 26. And Agrippa, Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth his hand. I guess it must be one of those rituals that they did back then, huh? I've been hearing a lot in this story. 
at least twice now in this story. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee touching all things whereof I am accused of the Jews, especially because I know thee to be expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews, wherefore I beseech thee to hear me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, which was at first among mine own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews, which knew for me, which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers, unto which promise our twelve tribes, assistantly serving God day and night, hope to come, for which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? Verily, though, barely thought, I barely thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which things I also did in Jerusalem and many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest, and when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them off in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme, and being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto, the, unto strange cities." Whereupon I went to Damascus with authority and commission for the chief priests. I can tell you one thing, and it hasn't changed 2,000 years, whether you want to admit it or not. Jews hate Christians. They really do. Interesting, if we do play this at the end, I would like to find that one, find some stuff. Anyways... Uh, Albert Einstein, if you didn't know, was asked to be the very first president of the the newly formed state of Israel, which just goes to show you his connections with the Zionists. And he himself was a Zionist, which means he was part of uh, that secret cabal, a cabal of... uh, uh, false Christians and Jews. Now, false Christians, also, yeah, we would call Catholicism uh, coming out of the pagan Roman Empire that still even exists today. And um, I don't know if you knew that, but the very first president that was supposed to be for the state of Israel, excuse me, turned out was supposed to be Albert uh, Einstein, but. He didn't have one redeeming quality, I guess. He had an issue with the state, state violence, and he didn't want to be part of that. But he did say support Zionism. I guess he just didn't want to have the blood on, blood on his hands. 
he had enough on his hands about all the lying that he did and uh, womanizing and um, well, basically, was, well, he's a plagiarist and a pervert and um, a pedophile and uh, married uh, and it was thinking seriously. Now he married his young teenage cousin. I believe she was teenage. I think somebody started to. I, but the, the one thing that seems to be certain is the fact that he wanted also to marry her daughter. <laughs> God. Uh. Anyways. And you can say I'm anti-Jewish or whatever all you want. I'm just, I could care less one way or the other. But the truth is the truth, and history bears it out that there has been an unholy alliance going on even in the days of Christ and before, or before Christ, where they, uh, an unholy alliance between, well, the harlot and the beast system, the harlot being, uh, uh, you know, the, the, Judaism and the rejection of Christ, uh, leadership there, and of course the B system was the Roman Empire that we now know today as Judo Christianity, and ruled all there in the richest nation in the world, the Vatican, the Vatican City, where the number one politician in the world who wears that blue star on top of his beanie cap, and the Pope. And it doesn't matter what his fake name is, because it really doesn't matter who he is. He's just a, well, he's a Jesuit, which means he's a professional liar, and, and operates in Jesuit casuistry and sophistry. And if you don't know anything about that, you must learn about what a Jesuit is. You must learn the definition and at least memorize the very basics of it so that you understand what's going on. And I am getting the strong impression that the quote-unquote Morado Jews is probably not even the right group of Jews, but there has been an unholy alliance that's been going on with the Jews, the Jewish cabal, along with the unholy, the, the Antichrist, the, well, they've created the Antichrist, they made it the prophetic antichrist, that being the papacy. Well, it's the chief head of it, this octopus, this beast system, this, this many tentacles, all roads do lead to Rome. They don't read lead to Jerusalem anymore as much as they want. They read lead to Rome. But the goal is someday, maybe, maybe, I know I can only speculate, that's all it is, speculation, but Let's put it this way, it's been known for thousands of years now that the Jews want to reestablish control of Jerusalem and whatever that may entail. Uh, but if we take it seriously, what Elder Pike, third letter to Messenians, we know that they, uh, if they're allowed to do any of that, it's certainly only to 
create a, you know, the goal is to get rid of the Zionists, and the Mohammedists and the Christians. So I, you can't be a, a Zionist and a Christian, folks. You just can't. You can't any more than you can be a Judo-Christian. Call it Judo-Christianity. Either you're a Christian or you're a Jew, or you're Muslim, or you're an atheist, or you're something, but you're... The polar opposites, as we're learning here throughout the New Testament, that being a Jew and a Christian, you cannot be. And people say, well, what about the Holocaust and all the Jews that were killed at the hands of the Christians? Well, they weren't Christians that were doing that. And I know this is very offensive to many people, but I don't want to be, I don't mean to be, but if you study what's in the Word of God and you study what Catholicism is, uh, and you remember that Catholicism, is there's the Roman Catholicism and then there's Russian Orthodox Catholicism and there's Eastern Orthodox Catholicism and then there's all the many other Catholicism along with all the many daughter churches that spring out of it, that come out of the uh, Reformation, that were soon usurped and taken over by the Counter-Reformation. And you'll find that the only true church out there these days is really when two or more of God's elect his children chosen from the foundation of this world get it together and praise read his word and the proper even that it should you know that's another thing we got to deal with too because in the king james it says church and it should say congregation so so far we've dealt with uh, the contradictions and Acts 9-7 and Acts 22-9 and there's more contradictions. But that doesn't, it shouldn't, I I find it is is it's a challenge of deciding, determining what is our faith in. My faith is in Jesus Christ and him being crucified. It's not that everything in well, we have the English language, the Bible is as a hundred percent one hundred percent peachy, squeaky clean, perfect. The only thing that's one hundred percent squeaky clean, perfect is God Himself. And I think he allows a lot of these things to pop up and to be there to challenge who we who are we gonna have what are and who are we gonna have our faith in. It makes you want to determine what faith you want to be. Where do you want to have your faith in? So, I think I think I'm going to go back to see. I think just end there. And I'm going to, to now play a couple audios of 
comparing Albert Einstein and Tesla. And I wish I could find the other video I found today. I did a brilliant expose on the... Well, this is a heavy indictment on Einstein that he was a plagiarist and a, and a liar. And he had an affair with Marilyn Monroe and and all these really... You, you, I mean, come on. I think it's a way of rubbing it in your face myself. If you don't believe in this guy, you don't believe in anything with his big tongue sticking out and all that. Now, I don't hate him for say. I don't hate anybody, but I will say this much. It's a bit disturbing. Now, this the reason why I want to play this video, too, is because, uh, well, the audio is even worse than I will present to you. So I'm going to jack up the volume here so that somebody can actually hear it. But the name of this video is Jesuit Fraud Einstein Debunked by Nicholas Tesla. Sorry for the rustling here as I prefer things. There'll be a little bit of noise here. I were to ask you, or any random person, who was the most brilliant man of the modern era, what would be the answer? The answer, of course, for most people, would be Albert Einstein. He is viewed as the man who changed mathematics and the way we perceive the universe. Most of the now widely accepted work in higher mathematics after Einstein was based on his theories. What if I were to tell you that there was another man that lived when Einstein did? A man who accomplished more than Einstein could dream of. A man who challenged all the theories Einstein proposed. A man whom Einstein actually agreed with in 1920. But this fact seems to go largely unnoticed. This man has been accused of all sorts of things. He was accused of everything from being a mad scientist to being some kind of wizard and was seen as a heretic to modern science and mathematics. He was villainized in 1941 through cartoons. In the first of Max Fleischer's Superman cartoons, Superman fought a mad scientist bearing this man's name. There are many quotes of his that contradict other quotes, so much so that it's hard to know if some of them are real. This man is someone whom science wanted to forget, and whom all bankers of the time cut off funding to. This man died penniless and alone, with only pigeons to keep him company. One of his last projects was a new theory of gravity. According to FBI documents acquired via the Freedom of Information Act request, the sum of this man's possessions consisted of about two truckloads of material, and approximately 30 barrels and bundles, which were seized upon his death in 1943 by agents of the now-defunct Office of Alien Property Custodian. One document states that it is reported to have some 80 trunks in different places 
containing transcripts and plans having to do with experiments. This man's research was seen as so dangerous that it has never been declassified by the government. This man was a physicist with more formal training in the field than Albert Einstein, who was a patent clerk. This man had a photographic memory and spoke six languages. He showed genius at an early age and was able to perform integral calculus in his head, though his teachers thought him to be cheating. Did he accomplish anything with this genius? This one man invented radio, AC power, which is used worldwide today, laser, radar, x-ray, wireless communication, particle beam weaponry called Star Wars technology, which has only recently been admitted by our government in a video I will link to you, wireless electricity, which has only recently been replicated and poorly, I might add, by the self-proclaimed geniuses at MIT, cellular technology, the electron microscope, microwave technology, hydroelectric generators, neon lights, fluorescent lights, brushless synchronous and induction motors, bladeless turbine and pump, remote control, electronic robotics, just to name a few. He predicted things like the Blackberry in 1909. Before the 1900s, he demonstrated remote control boats. Who was this man? Nikola Tesla. Why was this man so dangerous? Tesla said things like this about Einstein's work. It is a magnificent mathematical garb which fascinates, dazzles, and makes people blind to the underlying errors. The theory is like a beggar, clothed in purple, whom ignorant people take for a king. Its exponents are brilliant men, but they are metaphysicists, meaning they deal with the supernatural rather than scientists. Supposing that the bodies act upon the surrounding space, causing curving of the same, it appears to my simple mind that the curved spaces must react on the bodies and producing the opposite effects, straightening out the curves. Since action and reaction are coexistent, it follows that the supposed curvature of space is entirely impossible. But even if it existed, it would not explain the motions of the bodies as observed. Only the existence of a field of force can account for the motions of bodies as observed. And its assumption dispenses with space curvature. All literature on this subject is futile and destined to oblivion. So are all attempts to explain the workings of the universe without recognizing the existence of the ether and the indispensable function it plays in the phenomena. My second discovery was a physical truth of the greatest importance. As I have searched in the entire scientific records in more than a half a dozen languages for a long time without finding the least anticipation, I consider myself the original discoverer of this truth which can be expressed by this statement. There is no energy and matter other than that received from the environment. 
today's scientists have substituted mathematics for experiments, and they wander off through equation after equation and eventually build a structure which has no relation to reality. Now, what is the ether? Some think of it as a firmament, which our universe exists within. Yes, just like the firmament spoken of in the Bible book of Genesis, Tesla said a good example for such an interaction becomes apparent in gravitation, which should rather be named universal compression. I think the material bodies do not gravitate between each other, but it is the ether that makes one material body to press to another. We wrongly call this phenomenon gravitation. The stars, planets, and all the universe appeared from the ether when some part of it, due to certain reasons, became less dense. Einstein's theories were based on the non-existence of the ether. What is not presented much in media is that Einstein himself doubted his theories on multiple occasions. In 1920, he said, but on the other hand, there is a weighty argument to be adducted in favor of the ether hypothesis. To deny the ether is ultimately to assume that empty space has no physical quality whatsoever. The fundamental facts of quantum mechanics do not harmonize with this view. Recapitulating, we may say that according to the general theory of relativity, space is endowed with physical qualities. In this sense, therefore, there exists an ether. According to the general theory of relativity, space without ether is unthinkable. For in such space, there not only would be no propagation of light, but also no possibility of existence for standards of space and time, measuring rods and clocks, nor therefore any space-time intervals in the physical sense. Media presents the idea of Einstein-based mathematics as fact. We are told that this is concrete and that the entire scientific community is in total agreement. This could not be farther from the truth. In fact, calling it mathematics at all is misleading. These are theories with no absolutes. There are two divided camps, one that believes there is an ether and one that doesn't. All we are presented with on television is the theories that rely on no ether existing and then replacing the ether with things like dark matter to try to make all the theories work. So what is modern science? The belief in theories based on a man who doubted his own theories, which incorporate dark matter, which these scientists are not even sure exists. What am I trying to say here? Science does not give you or have all the answers. When you hang on every word of people like Stephen Hawking, know that there are many people whom are just as brilliant who completely disagree with them. Now back to Nikola Tesla's life. 
What kind of man was Nikola Tesla? Tesla is best known for the War of the Currents against Thomas Edison, who was a Freemason. Tesla initially worked for Edison. Edison promised him money for work that Tesla did, but refused to pay him. Tesla eventually quit Edison's company and with George Westinghouse presented the world with AC power. What exactly was at stake here? To put it simply, DC power would have only been available to the very wealthy. It was expensive and required much more equipment between distances. AC power, on the other hand, was much cheaper and would provide everyone with affordable electric power, even in rural areas. Thomas Edison went on a smear campaign of Tesla and AC power, saying that it was dangerous. He tried to prove this to people by electrocuting live animals, including elephants, in front of audiences. Westinghouse was going bankrupt trying to fight this propaganda, but the company was saved by Tesla. He tore up his royalty contract with George Westinghouse in order to save the company from bankruptcy and the alternating current system from destruction. Tesla stood to lose over $12 million in royalty payments. Now, which of these scientists sounds like a madman to you? Now, Tesla experienced a lot of odd, bad luck in his life. His lab burned down to the ground for which he had no insurance. He was wrongly cheated out of patents, like the radio, which were only restored to him after his death. The man who invented the modern world and created all his inventions to help his fellow man somehow died with no money and is remembered as a madman, if he is remembered at all. His dream was wireless free energy for the entire world, and by all accounts, it worked. But his funding was pulled by J.P. Morgan, and all other bankers also refused to loan him money. In rare television shows like the one I will link you at the end of this video and that you can view on my favorites, the government is now admitting that Tesla invented devices that could cause earthquakes, change the weather, shoot missiles out of the sky to end all wars, and provide clean, free energy for the entire world. Tesla was a brilliant man and said of other scientists, the present is theirs, the future is mine. For all his brilliance, what Tesla could not foresee is that the devices he intended to stop war with and help mankind would be used for the exact opposite purposes. Perhaps he hoped that we were better than that. On this official government website, which I will link in the information below this video, is a press conference from 1997, and this is Secretary of Defense William S. Cohen speaking. Cohen answers the press, saying, and I quote, Others are engaging even in an echo type of terrorism whereby they can alter the climate, set off earthquakes, volcanoes, remotely through the use of electromagnetic waves. So there are plenty of ingenious minds out there that are at work finding ways in which they can wreak terror upon the nations. It's real, 
and that's the reason why we have to intensify our efforts, and that's why it's so important. End quote. Now, who is the only country with a device like this that confiscated Tesla's research? That would be us. It is called HARP. Tesla was not a madman. He was simply someone who went as far as you can go with real science. He was abhorred at the idea that his inventions might be used to hurt his fellow man. He gave up money and fame to stand for what he believed in. He turned down the Nobel Prize because they planned to award both him and Edison. Can you blame him? Tesla hated war. While Einstein fully supported certain wars and was a strong supporter of Zionism, Tesla was brilliant and he simply invented the modern world. Einstein invented nothing of any benefit to man. Tesla called Einstein a fool. Einstein eventually agreed with him. The world has followed Einstein. Do you see a problem with this? At least Einstein could admit that he may be wrong and that he was not dealing with absolutes, which shows that he is a lot smarter than today's scientists. Why is modern science, which condemns religion as relying on faith, based on theories that require just as much faith or more as religion, while providing none of the other important answers, like why am I here, or where will I go when I die? Why is science as rigid and dogmatic as religion when it condemns religion for being the same? Why doesn't everyone know who Nikola Tesla is when you turn on a television, get a weather report, listen to the radio, talk on the cell phone, start your car? Tesla's inventions are there staring back at you. Who was the smartest man of the modern world? Nikola Tesla. And he believed in God's firmament, the effort spoken of in Genesis. Maybe you should look into it as well. Tesla once said, the gift of mental power comes from God, divine being. And if we concentrate our minds on that truth, we become in tune with his great power. My mother had taught me to seek all the truth in the Bible. At the end of this video, I will link one of the TV specials that is aired on Nikola Tesla. Is everything in it as far as Tesla's personal life correct? Doubtful. They can't bury all the truth, though, and multiple cases of generosity by Nikola Tesla. They claim that free energy would have led to mind control. Just like Edison said that AC power was dangerous, they claim that Tesla himself canceled the Wardenclyffe project, which is a bold-faced lie. What they can't hide is that Tesla's inventions were, and he intended for them to benefit man. You could not put a meter on free energy, though. And there was and is a lot of money in natural fuels for a few of the world's elite who own the companies that would profit off them. If you think that things like the Gulf oil disaster need never have happened is very sad indeed. If you think that the entire world thinks that Einstein and his disciples have it all figured out is even sadder. A patent clerk who invented 
nothing against the man who invented modern technology and gave credit to God. We chose the patent clerk whose theories have gone a long way in undermining God. All the while, Einstein kept occult Kabbalah literature on his work desk and practiced alchemy. And the scientists who scoff at God work with technology that Tesla invented. Sad. Very sad indeed. Where others claim to invent, Tesla would say he discovered things that were already there. What really is mathematics? It is the attempt to explain universal laws that are already there. Mathematical laws were there before we discovered them. No one discovered more things than Nikola Tesla. Could it be because Tesla knew something that the majority of those who call themselves scientists today did not? It is time you questioned everything. While the truth might be hard to find nowadays, it is well worth the effort. Will you ever figure everything out? Probably not. I know my simple mind is not but you will have enough information to make a choice and support an educated decision. Why is all this information coming out now? To me, it is very simple. It was promised to us. Matthew 10:26 says, So do not be afraid of them. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, claim from the rooftops. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.